Welcome to Peace by Believing. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And on today's program, we're going to be thinking about how to overcome depression. Now, depression is a very real thing, and the fact is no one is immune from it. It doesn't matter how strong you are or how much you love God or even how long you've been a Christian. No one is immune from depression. And so today, if you're struggling with depression or maybe you know someone who's struggling with depression in his or her life, my prayer is that this program would be an encouragement to you and that you would be able to clearly hear what God has to say about depression. I want to talk to you today about depression. Studies tell us that Approximately 10% of the American population struggles with depression. In fact, 10% of the American population is depressed. In America, each year, 40,000 people take their own life. Now, you think about that. 40,000 suicides a year in America. And many of these, uh, many of the people taking their lives are people that we have looked at and watched In the entertainment industry, Robin Williams, I think, is one of the saddest things that we've seen. Here is an entertainer, a comedian, uh, on on his own level. I mean, this man uh, was very gifted, and yet at the end of it all, he took his own life. What happened? We don't know exactly what what happens in all these cases, but we, common sense, would say that depression played some role in this. And studies tell us that depression is the number one cause of disability in the American workforce today. In other words, there are more people not going to work because they're depressed than they are because they're physically sick or because they have a broken arm or something like that. It is, it is depression. By the year 2020, we're told that depression will be the single most expensive health care cost. Depression. Treating depression, people who are down, people who can't get up, people who are literally depressed. And I want to say at the beginning of my remarks today that no one is immune from depression. You know, when we think of depression, we think, well, that's a weak man's problem. Well, all you have to do is to read the Bible and you figure out that's not true. Some of the strongest men in the Bible struggled with depression. I think about Moses. I think about Elijah. We're going to be studying his life a little bit later today. I think about the psalmist when he said, the psalmist got so depressed in Psalm 42, he started talking to himself and he said, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why so disquieted within me? In other words, what's wrong with you? He got down and he didn't even know why he was down. We come to the New Testament and we read about strong men who got depressed, John the Baptist, got so depressed at one time in his life, he began to question whether or not Jesus was even truly the Messiah. And he was confused about that. The Apostle Paul, greatest Christian who ever lived, got so depressed that he, he said at one time in his life that he even despaired of life. And so depression is not a weak man's problem. It is something that all of us can experience in life. I was interested to learn that 23% of pastors 
have struggled with and have even dropped into depression. That's almost one out of four pastors who have been down. I suppose the most influential pastor who has ever lived since Bible times would be a man named Charles Spurgeon. He pastored a fine church in London, England for many years. And yet this great man of God battled depression. And listen to what he said. He said, fits of depression come over most of us. Usually, cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous. The wise, not always ready. The brave, not always courageous. And the joyous, not always happy. History tells us that Spurgeon used to get so depressed that he would have to leave London for months at a time to go to France and to go to other places just to get away. He had physical problems. It was part of the reason for his leaving. In fact, he got so down one time, he called his deacons together and he resigned from the church. He said, you, I'm not fit to be your pastor. Struggling with this depression like I am, having to be gone as much as I'm having to be gone. You need somebody who can be on the field all the time. And the deacons, they would not accept his resignation. And they said, Pastor, we would rather have you part-time than anybody else full-time. But I'm saying... Think about this. The most influential pastor in history, other than Paul, and Paul struggled with it too, has struggled with depression. Winston Churchill. Nobody would say that Churchill was a weak man. Churchill called depression a black dog that was chasing after him. And so here's Churchill. Another man said this. Now, you, th you think about a, a man who is depressed. Listen to these words. He said, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or get better. You say, what happened to that man? Well, a few years after he wrote that or after he said that, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. That was Abraham Lincoln. Greatest president in American history. I don't think anyone would question that. He abolished slavery. And yet, he is so down, he said, I must die or get better. Now, what is depression? Well, interestingly enough, depression has been defined as a feeling of helplessness and hopelessness that leads to sadness. A feeling of helplessness and hopelessness that leads to sadness. Now, discouragement is, is bad, but discouragement is nothing like depression. When a person gets discouraged, it, it's, it's kind of like a thunderstorm. It comes and it goes. But depression is like a heavy fog that sets in, and the depressed person says, my situation is so hopeless, either from what the doctors have told me, what's happening in my own personal life, what's happening in my family, what's happening in my finances, what's happening at work, for whatever reason, my situation is so helpless and so hopeless, there's not anything that I can do about it. And so today, I don't want to just describe depression. I want to show you some things that I think you can do to help you to overcome depression. So if you'll open your Bibles today to 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're looking here at the life of Elijah, one of the greatest men of God in all the Bible. He was a prophet, and many of us are familiar with the story back in 1 Kings chapter 18, where Elijah 
uh, at one time had had a showdown on the top of Mount Carmel in northern Israel with all these prophets of Baal. Baal was a, a false god, and many of the people were worshiping Baal. And so Elijah came along, and he said to all these Jewish people, you need to decide whom you're going to worship. Are you going to worship Baal, or are you going to worship the true God of heaven? And so he is standing down or standing up to all 450 of these false prophets of Baal. And so they had a showdown there up on Mount Carmel. Many of you are familiar with that story. And at the end of the showdown, God, the, God, the true God revealed himself as the only real God. And this Baal, who they had claimed was somebody real, proved to be something they had just imagined and made up in their mind. And so Elijah killed all 450 of these prophets of Baal. And so we read about this, and if you ever go to Israel, this is one of the best stops up on top of Mount Carmel. And he said, here's where Elijah had enough courage to look 450 false prophets in the face and challenge them. And he won that contest. And we say, man, Elijah, he he was certainly strong. But in chapter 19, there's another story about Elijah that we're not as familiar with. And this tells us about his, his depression and what happened to him after that. Verse number 1. And Ahab told Jezebel. Now, Ahab was the wicked king of Israel. And Jezebel was his wife. And these two were equally yoked. <laughs> they, were, they were equally wicked. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow at this time. So Jezebel said, Send the word to Elijah that within the next 24 hours he's going to be dead. I'm killing him. I'm coming after him. Verse 3. And when he saw that, he arose and he ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he, so he's gone on about a 70-mile journey now. But he himself went a day's journey, an additional journey, into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And so here's a man who in one chapter is strong and bold and courageous and confident. My God can take care of whatever I face. And in the next chapter, a lady says, I'm going to kill you within the next 24 hours. And instead of standing up to her like he had stood up to these other 450 men, he takes off running. He gets so depressed that he prayed and he said, God, I'd rather die than live. And so in 1 Kings 19, what do we find? We find Elijah depressed, clinically depressed. Any clinician, any psychiatrist, any psychologist would say, if a person says, I would rather die than live, that person has dropped into true. De- this is not discouragement. This is not a bad day. This is depression, and he is in it. Now let's think about what caused Elijah to become depressed. First of all, he had overwhelming circumstances. I mean, here's the, the, the queen of Israel saying, you're going to be dead in the next 24 hours. And that circumstance was at this time more than he could take. And you know, sometimes in life, we, we, we may not have that, but we have things in life. Our circumstances just seem so overwhelming. And we think, I just can't take it. I can't bear this. I, I can't live another day. It's just, it's just too much. And so I think all of us can at least 
relate somewhat to what Elijah was saying. And then another thing that he had was physical fatigue. He was just tired. He had had this great showdown on top of Mount Carmel, and now he's run a long way, and he's physically exhausted. And that says to me, one of the things that leads to depression is fatigue. Vince Lombardi, the great coach of the Green Bay Packers, famous quote, he said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And so when we're tired, I've noticed in my own life, I don't know if I've ever dropped into, I don't think I've ever dropped into clinical depression, but I've certainly had times in life when I've been down, I've been discouraged, I've not been at my best. And looking back on those times, or even now, sometimes if I get a little bit down, because uh, I'm not a downer, I'm more of an, of an upbeat person, but sometimes even I can feel that. And it's usually at a time when I'm tired, I'm, I'm physically run down, I've been burning the candle at both ends and about to burn the thing out. And so... Uh, sometimes we have to rest. Did you know, one pastor said this way one time. He said, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap and rest because your body needs rest. In Mark chapter 6, in verse 31, the Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples, come aside by yourselves and rest for a while. He had sent them out on all this ministry and he knew that they needed to rest. And so Elijah was physically tired. For one reason he was tired, he had been serving God but he had not replenished what he had given out. Did you know when you try to serve God in any way, you're giving out of yourself? And I think that's why the statistic said 23% of pastors have, have, uh, have been depressed. Because what does a pastor do? Well, much of his time, he is trying to help other people. If you are in a profession where you are helping others, if you're a nurse, if you're a doctor, any profession where you're working with people, you wouldn't have to be in the ministry at all, but where you're trying to help people. If you work at the Salvation Army, you work at the Red Cross, you work for the United Way, you're a school teacher. Teachers all day long, they're giving of their energy to their students. They're giving out. But if when you give out, if you don't replenish, then you become very tired and you can get depressed. And then there was a sense in which Elijah had, he was just spiritually, because, of, because he hadn't replenished himself, he was empty on the inside. And so if you look in verse 5, we see, how did God deal with this? What is the, how can we overcome depression? Well, look in verse 5. It's sometimes more practical than you might think. It says, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And so sometimes when we're depressed, we have these feelings of helplessness and hopelessness. We're sad. doesn't seem like anything's ever going to change. It's, this fog has set in, this heavy cloud and so on. Sometimes if we will rest our body, take a day off work, take a week off work, take a, vac take a month off work, take a vacation, get away, rest and replenish yourself, sometimes you find that that cloud lifts and you're able to see things more clearly. Now, sometimes when a person is depressed, they need to be on medication or they need to see somebody. And so there's not, sometimes there's an imbalance. You know, you can have depression because your blood sugar level is off, <laughs> because your thyroid's all out of whack or for some other reason. And so sometimes a medicine 
or a lifestyle change can address these chemical imbalances and bring things back in order. So I would always say if you're down, you should go see your doctor and have the blood work done. But if you've had that done and that came back fine and you're still down, ask yourself this. Am I burning the candle at both ends? Am I doing too much? Am I spreading myself too thin? Because if you are, you're, you're going to be uh, depressed. Remember this. Motion is not progress. Just because we're busy... That doesn't mean we're accomplishing anything. And so it would really be better to be less busy, in a sense, and be more productive by doing those things that, are, that accomplish something and not just uh, by being busy all the time. So sometimes we just need rest. But sometimes what we need even more than rest, we need a word from God. Now look in verse 8. So he arose, and he ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place. And behold, now watch this, the word of the Lord came to him. That's what he needed. And God said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And in verse 10, Elijah answered that question. In verse 11, God speaks to him again, and he says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Now watch this. And after the fire, a still, small voice. What did Elijah need to get him out of this depression? Well, he needed rest. First of all, he needed food, he needed nutrition, he ne- he, there was a physical solution to his problem, and sometimes that's exactly what we need. But there was also a spiritual solution, Elijah needed to hear from God. And so when he got alone, and he got where he could hear, God spoke to him, and God gave him his word. There's a verse in the Bible in Psalm 119 that says, the entrance of God's word brings light. Think about that. The entrance of God's Word brings light. David Jeremiah, who pastors a fine church in San Diego, if you ever watch him on television, behind the choir loft, there's a huge stained glass window, and that's the verse. The entrance of thy Word brings light. And it's true. When we hear from God, uh, it's like light is coming into our lives. What do we, when we think of depression, what do we associate it with? Associate it with darkness. Sometimes, if you've ever looked at a house, you've thought about buying another house, and so you got a realtor, you went and started looking at houses, and I, because I've done that. Sometimes you go in a house, and you, they're showing you around, and you say, man, this house is depressing. It's dark. There's no good light coming in here. Sometimes maybe you'll go to visit somebody who is, uh, maybe they're down, and they're depressed. Inevitably, you go into their house, the blinds are closed. And uh, there's no light, it's dark, and you think to yourself, man, it's depressing. And if it's somebody you feel close enough to, uh, you say, man, we turn the lights on, open these windows, get some light in here. There's something about darkness that we associate with depression. And there's something about light that we associate with happiness and joy. And it's not depressing at all. And so the scripture says, when we're in the darkness of depression, what we need is light. And the light, the greatest light, the brightest light... The most healing light is the light of God's Word. And so probably all of us have had times in our lives where we have been either discouraged, at the very least confused, troubled, discouraged, or maybe even depressed about something. And we look at the situation we're facing and we think, God, I don't know 
how I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. This situation is bleak, it looks like. And so many times, if we're wise, and we listen to God, and we get in His Word, and sometimes just when we're riding down the street, we turn the radio off, and we listen, and we let God speak. I can think of, of several times God has spoken to me, but I can think of four specific times when God has given me a word from the Bible that applied directly to a situation that I was going through. And that word was like light to me. And it just helped me to see my situation more clearly. Uh, I had one driving down Fairmont Parkway in 2001. God gave me a, a word from, from the Bi- a Bible verse. And it just it changed my whole outlook on the situation. I had another one in 2004. It had to do with the assurance of my own salvation. I was very, uh, I needed a word from God on that. And he gave me a word and it changed everything. Another one happened in 2012. I was driving down another road one day. And God spoke a passage of scripture to me from Joshua chapter 1. And it absolutely spoke to the situation that I was facing at that time. It wasn't even a bad situation, but it was just something I needed a word from God. It was actually a good situation, but I needed to know it was God's will. And God just spoke a word to me from Joshua chapter 1. And the most recent one I've had is one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had with God. In fact, I've never had any experience quite like this. I was, I was asleep. And at least I think I was asleep. You know, sometimes you can you don't know if you're having a dream or if you just woke up. And sometimes you just wake up and you feel like, am I awake or asleep? Well, I really think I was asleep. And while I was asleep, I, I, I know this sounds, but it's like I had a vision of a Bible verse. And I could see the verse of Scripture on my ceiling. And when I woke up, or when I came, that's all I could, I could just see this verse. And it's like God just used that word to help me see the situation from a totally different perspective. And so what I'm saying to you is uh, God will bring light and his word and clarity into your depression if you will allow him to do so. I'm so thankful that God speaks to us. And it is so true that the entrance of his words gives light to our situations. It just brightens up those dark places that we sometimes find ourselves in when we don't know what to do next and we don't know which direction to turn. And so today, as you have been listening to this program, maybe what you need more than anything is a fresh word from God, just a passage of Scripture that you could hold on to and that you could claim and that God could use this to encourage you. And so I want to close today by reading the first three verses from Psalm 40. This is a passage of Scripture that was written by David. And when he's writing this psalm, he's looking back on a time in his life when he had been in a dark place. In fact, he describes the place where he had been as a horrible pit. And yet God had delivered him out of that pit. God had brought him from darkness to light, and he's describing his experience. And listen to how David describes what God did in his life. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He has also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my steps. 
He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. And so David was saying there came a time in his life when he was so low that all he could do was look up and call out to God and pray for mercy. And when he prayed, God heard his prayer. and God began to lift him out of that miry uh, pit, that, that uh, dark place where he had been in and put him back on his feet, put him on a rock and gave him a new song in his heart. And maybe today that's what you need. You just need God to give you a new song to restore your joy and your enthusiasm and your zest for life. And so I just encourage you, let, let what God did for David be an encouragement to you that God hasn't changed. God can bring David out. God can bring you out. Like we talked about earlier, God brought Elijah through. God brought Moses through. God brought Paul through. God's brought me through. And God can bring you through whatever you might be facing today. So turn to Him. Trust in Him. And let Him bring you out.